Welcome to Quantum Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallet. Réunion, a French island in the western Indian Ocean, sits above one of Earth's mantle plumes. The effects are hard to miss. One of the island's two massive volcanoes, the aptly named Piton de la Forneza, or Peak of the Furnace, is one of the most hyperactive volcanoes on the planet. But the plume's modern-day punch is nothing compared to its past. That's next. Explore more science mysteries in the Quanta book, Alice and Bob Meet the Wall of Fire, published by the MIT Press. Available now at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or your local bookstore. Also, make sure to tell your friends about the Quanta Magazine Science Podcast and give us a positive review or follow where you listen. It helps people find this podcast. Around 65 million years ago, the mantle plume was under what is now India. It caused a series of lava floods that smothered one and a half million square kilometers of land over only 700,000 years, a blip on the geological timeline. That's enough lava to bury Texas, California, and Montana. In 2012, a team of geophysicists and seismologists set out to map the plume. They deployed a giant network of seismometers across the vast depths of the Indian Ocean seafloor. Nearly a decade later, the team has revealed that the mantle is stranger than expected. The team reported in June in Nature Geoscience that the plume isn't a simple column. Instead, a titanic mantle plume tree rises from the fringes of the planet's molten heart. Superheated branch-like structures appear to grow diagonally out of it. As these branches approach the crust, they seem to sprout smaller, vertically rising branches. These super-hot plumes feed known volcanic hotspots at the surface. The discovery of this massive structure beneath Réunion nearly coincides with another recent discovery that found additional structures in the plumes under Africa. Taken together, the two findings represent a significant scientific advance. They suggest that plumes can be more idiosyncratic and can have more elaborate backstories than traditional models presumed. Researchers already knew about the Réunion tree's root from prior work. It's likely a primordial object, perhaps almost as old as Earth itself. So it's possible this tree has been growing its canopy of plumes for billions of years. Presuming that more branches continue to grow, scientists now have a window into Earth's fiery future. Karen Siglock is a co-author of the study. I think that's what tickles me most about this, that, you know, from looking at the core mantle boundary, you can maybe predict where the oceans will open. If a supercontinent sits above such a place or a continent, it cannot last. Researchers can also forecast land that will one day be obliterated. If the new models are accurate, a few tens of millions of years from now, you may not want to be in South Africa or perhaps on planet Earth at all. Back in the 1960s, when the theory of plate tectonics was rapidly gaining acceptance, certain geological features seemed to evade explanation. 
Sure, the theory provided explanations for questions that had long puzzled scientists. Where volcanoes appear, where land is born, where ocean basins are carved out, where ancient crust was annihilated. But it couldn't explain something like Hawaii. Plate tectonics predicts that the boundaries of tectonic plates, where two plates collide, slide over or under one another, grind side by side, or move apart, are where most of the planet's geologic fireworks can be found. You may know the so-called Ring of Fire, the horseshoe-shaped region that marks the fringes of the many plates surrounding the Pacific Plate. It's home to 75% of the world's active volcanoes. But despite being nowhere near a plate boundary, Hawaii is an archipelago of giant volcanoes. The active submarine volcano, Loihi, is off the southeastern shore of the island of Hawaii. It's the youngest member of a chain of volcanoes 6,000 kilometers long. It's a chain that can be traced all the way to long-expired underwater volcanoes in the Northwest Pacific. This phenomenon, known as intraplate volcanism, stood out as a geologic aberration. In 1963, Canadian geophysicist John Tuzo Wilson suggested that volcanic chains like this are forged when a tectonic plate continuously drifts over a stationary hotspot in the mantle. This creates a sequence of volcanoes that erupt, grow, then die out as the plate migrates away from the magmatic fuel source. In 1971, American geophysicist William Jason Morgan proposed that these hot spots were caused by plumes of particularly hot material rising from the lower mantle. Over the following decades, geophysicists concluded that plumes are around 200 degrees Celsius hotter than the ambient mantle. When plumes reach the base of tectonic plates, their heat melts their surroundings, making plenty of magma. The plumes also carry mantle material up from deep in the earth. This material melts at the lower pressures found away from the core, feeding additional magma into the crust. The combined supply of hot magma explains a lot of Earth's intraplate volcanoes. Chains of volcanoes are also known as hotspot tracks. They're difficult to explain without invoking plumes. Hawaii is an oceanic example, but they can be found on land too. The Yellowstone supervolcano is the youngest member of a hotspot track dating back at least 17 million years. It poured 210,000 cubic kilometers of lava across the Pacific Northwest before blasting out a trail of giant volcanic cauldrons from Oregon to Wyoming. You can see it today, the scar tissue of an unrelenting mantle plume. Chemical evidence also implies the existence of mantle plumes. There are two stable types of helium, helium-3 and helium-4. Helium-3 was trapped deep within Earth during its formation and is decidedly ancient. Here's Karen Siglock again. If those rocks come close to the surface at any time, that helium-3 is gone. That they still have a lot must mean they've never been near the surface. Several hotspot volcanoes, including Hawaii's Kilauea, erupt lavas with an abundance of helium-3. Godfrey Fitton, a petrologist at the University of Edinburgh, says that suggests these volcanoes are mining mantle matter from considerable depth. 
And a plume is a reasonable explanation. To my mind, we know for certain that there is some deep-seated plume-like structure under a small number of ocean islands like Hawaii. And these have everything that you would expect. They've got long chains of seamounts downstream. They've got evidence for high temperature, the magmatic rocks. They've got seismology showing you a link with something with low velocity right the way down to the core mantle boundary. And they've got high helium-3-4 ratios. They've got everything that you'd expect of a mantle plume. But no one has actually ever seen a plume. They are inferred to exist, but researchers have gathered considerable evidence in their favor. Seismic waves give us clues. These waves travel through the Earth and on the surface. The geologic bodies they pass through alter their speed and trajectory. Seismometers pick up this information, and scientists use the data to try and work out what is hiding within the Great Abyss. Seismic waves move more slowly through hot rock, and study after study has shown that they often slow down through elongate structures that rise from the deep mantle and connect with volcanic hotspots at the surface. Seismologists have also discovered two giant blobs of material, one beneath Africa, the other below the Pacific, that extend across the boundary between the mantle and the core. Deep diving waves decelerate as they move through both giant blobs, this suggests that they are hot giants, together covering about 30% of the entire core mantle boundary. The duo have all manner of possible origin stories. These range from a graveyard of defunct tectonic plate slabs to the dissected corpse of Theia, the protoplanet that collided with the infant Earth and manufactured the moon. With some exceptions, like Yellowstone, Earth's plumes seem rooted to one of those two giant blobs. This suggests they play a role in most plumes' origin stories. But seismology isn't all-knowing. Seismic waves can detect structures within the mantle, but they can't reveal every characteristic of those structures. Harriet Lau is a geophysicist at the University of California, Berkeley. Seismic waves really only see kind of the elastic properties of the Earth rather mm-hmm. than the density properties of the Earth. You can make inferences about one from the other, but you have to make assumptions. You know, you can slow down a seismic wave by heating a material up. Or you can have something that's compositionally different within the mantle of rock. And both will cause a seismic wave to change. Scientists are forced to choose which option is more likely in each measurement they do. There's an art to it. Subcrustal structures are also equipped with camouflage. Seismic waves like to take the fast lane. Here's Lau again. Seismic waves naturally avoid slow parts of the mantle and will favor, will be channeled into fast parts of the rock. And so by nature, a plume is hot. It's going to slow down. So seismic waves will just be like detour around it. Plumes are also thin, making it easy for most incoming seismic waves to dodge them. The more seismic waves you have crossing through the same point in a plume, the more confident you can be that it exists. 
Catherine Reichert is a geophysicist at the University of Southampton. We think of waves in terms of rays. A ray comes through the Earth, right? Like an earthquake happens here, and then it kind of comes through the Earth. And then the way we do tomography is like when you have lots and lots of crossing rays, you can imagine you can really do a good job at saying where that ray was slowed down or speeded up. And if you have lots of crossing things, of course, you can say exactly where that happened. But earthquakes don't happen everywhere. We also only have stations in some places. Seismic stations are mostly on land, not on the seafloor, which means oceans have poor seismic coverage. Harriet Lau says plumes are interesting. Theoretically, we know they have to exist, but they're just so hard to see seismically. Consequently, seismic waves capture only slices of plumes, and their properties are often the subject of unresolvable debate. Ideally, scientists want to produce a plume image that stretches from its base to the planet's surface. That would require loads of seismometers spread over a vast area, forming a huge network that could sense as many seismic waves as possible and thereby see a sizable segment of the mantle. Consider it the seismic equivalent of a giant telescope. So in 2012, scientists built one. They used ships in the western Indian Ocean to plop seismometers onto the seafloor. In all, 57 were thrown overboard, ultimately creating a 2,000 by 2,000 kilometer aperture. 37 seismic stations on Madagascar and other smaller islands added to the network. For 13 months between 2012 and 2013, that aperture was open. Its objective was to hunt down the Réunion plume, one of the most consequential fountains of fire to grace the planet in the past 100 million years. A team of scientists peered through their mantle telescope. They combined their data with two other seismic data sets. They were shocked when they saw the thin vertical plume beneath Réunion simply vanish in the lower mantle. At that moment, Maria Zechmistrenko, then a student of Siglox at the University of Oxford, says it was a slow process, and she remembers thinking, Oh, I must have done something terribly wrong. Everything is wrong. My PhD is over. The reason why we started looking at things like 3D was because that when we were doing simple slices through La Réunion and South Africa or La Réunion North-South, we would not see enough structures. But if I would investigate the model, like slice by slice, then I would say there's something more going on. The team looked at the entire region, and an image emerged. The African giant blob, 2,900 kilometers below the surface, grows up from its middle to form a trunk reaching a depth of 1,500 kilometers. The top of the trunk is dubbed the cusp. It appears to grow thick branches of hot matter from its western and eastern extremities. These grow diagonally upward until they reach a depth of 1,000 to 800 kilometers. At this point, the tops of these branches sprout vertically rising thin branches. One of these thin branches reaches the underside of hypervolcanic Réunion. Around 3,000 kilometers northwest, another diagonal branch stretches to East Africa, a region full of volcanism and where prior seismic work has found one or perhaps two mantle plumes. But there was a problem. This structure was difficult to reconcile with the laws of thermodynamics. 
Saskia Hoosh of Imperial College London says plumes are hot and buoyant. Because it's hot, it moves much faster than plates. And the rest of the mantle moves with the speeds of plates. Plumes probably move 10 times as fast. So tilting plumes is very difficult. Because the plumes are so quick, you don't have time to tilt them. Zechmistrenko, Siglak, and company agree. Plumes rise straight up. So the tree structure is evidence of a more complex process going on in the mantle. Here's how they think it works. The African blob, including the trunk and cusp, gets heated by the core. The eastern and western peripheries of the hot cusp are surrounded by a large proportion of relatively cooler ambient mantle material. These hotter areas are considerably buoyant. Eventually, an 800-kilometer blob pinches off from each end. Both rise vertically for tens of millions of years. Eventually, they reach the shallow boundary between the dense lower mantle and the less dense upper mantle. There, they spread out laterally. Several tails sprout off the top of them and rise vertically, forming those narrow towers classically referred to as plumes. One of these two sub-blobs rises toward East Africa, and one rises toward Réunion. Meanwhile, the eastern and western extremities of the cusp, now closer to its middle, produce two new blobs, which also rise straight up. They leave later and are positioned to the lower right and lower left of the East African and Réunion blobs, respectively. So they resemble diagonal interconnected branches. In reality, they are separate blobs all rising vertically. Independent scientists have largely applauded the research. Classically, the problem with imaging plume structure in high resolution is a lack of seismic data. Catherine Reichert says not so this time, because they had this amazing experiment in the Indian Ocean, one filled with data about loads of seismic waves. Combining the data from the giant array with additional seismic data sets proved instrumental. It allowed the team to precisely resolve an entire swath of the mantle, from its greatest depths to its highest reaches. Carolina Lithgow-Bertoloni is a geophysicist at the University of California, Los Angeles. I think in terms of the seismology, it is a step forward. You know, it's a very nicely resolved bottom of the mantle to the surface. And so I think in that sense, I think it's great. What I take issue is in the right word, but I am less uh, as sort of, it's great. Um, I feel like the interpretation is really, really pushing. Petrologist Godfrey Fitton says the tree structure finding is interesting. It's an intriguing observation and it's quite a clever idea. But Fitton says their precise model for what's going on in the mantle is just one of several possible interpretations of what's happening. Here's Catherine Reichert again. They saw this kind of tilt and I thought that was really interesting and they kind of came up with this idea that maybe that they have these kind of things that come up and then you know, do this tree thing. I think that's a really cool idea. You know, I don't know if it's the right idea, but it's cool. But Lithgow Bertoloni says taking snapshots of present-day structures and speculating on how they formed over millions of years and how they will continue to evolve is rife with uncertainty. Seismic tomography is the snapshot of today. If the team's theoretical model is correct, it bolsters two long-held trains of thought. 
Hoosh says the first is that Earth's plumes aren't as simple as making an upwelling in a box of syrup in a laboratory. It's interesting that as the images become better, we're seeing really quite complicated structures. The second train of thought is that these giant blobs have played and will continue to play a pivotal role in the planet's tumultuous history. Some scientists suspect that plumes from the African giant blob spent at least 120 million years tearing the ancient supercontinent of Gondwana into shards. As the plumes rose into its base, they heated it and weakened it, like moles making hills. They caused the land atop these plumes to dome upward, then slide downhill. Australia was unzipped from India and Antarctica, Madagascar from Africa, and the Seychelles microcontinent from India. This act of destruction made the Indian Ocean. Should the plume or plumes beneath East Africa sustain their onslaught, they'll contribute to the future disintegration of the African continent, specifically the breakup of East Africa and the creation of a new microcontinent floating beside the world's youngest ocean. But that future tectonic divorce seems insignificant when you consider the catastrophe that may happen on the continent's southern tip. The team estimates that in tens of millions of years, a blob of nightmarishly gargantuan proportions will pinch off from the central cusp and rise to meet what is now South Africa's foundations. Siglock says this would produce cataclysmic eruptions. This future megablob would be capable of producing volcanism so prolific and extensive that previous lava floods would look like a firecracker in comparison. Painting precise pictures of plumes matters. They are arbiters of life and death. Reichert says plumes are a key part of understanding plate tectonics. It's good to know about the evolution of the planet in this very kind of theoretical way because basically we're in a very unique place, right? We have life on Earth, which is very, very unique. And somehow we have these huge convective cycles. And somehow our planet has stabilized an atmosphere and oceans that allow our existence on the planet, right? And knowing how our planet manages to do this for billions of years to basically allow human existence is important. Matt Carlstrom helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Robin George Andrews' full article, A Massive Subterranean Tree is Moving Magma to Earth's Surface, on our website, quantummagazine.org. Quantum Magazine is an editorially independent online publication supported by the Simons Foundation to enhance public understanding of science. Music